Welcome to the Opera Biz Podcast, uncut and unfiltered, where we hang out with opera professionals and talk about life inside the industry. I'm your host, yeah, Daniel I Welch. That, I don't understand where that that stigma of having um, having a day job. A slash, like I call it, like a uh, slash yeah. something else. It's, it's, an, it's, a, it's, it's not a stigma anymore. Yeah, I don't I think, believe I think it is. I think we're finally pulling out of that. But. When you have Anthony Roth Constanzos being the CEO of his own company, yeah. then the stigma is out. Yeah. He's a superstar. He's singing yeah. in all the major houses. He has a very identifiable brand. Mm-hmm. But he also does something else because right. he understands the careers are not Placido Domingo careers. Right. Not everybody goes to 90 singing. Yeah. So what happens, you start a career around 27 if you're lucky. Yeah. You sing for 25 years, which is a very good career. Yes. And you're in the mid-50s. Now what? Are you retiring at 50? Right. No. There's always a 2.0. Yeah. So what is your 2.0? Is your yeah. 2.0 running your own company? Is it 2.0 uh, teaching? Yeah. Is, is it is it is it stage director? Because their longevity goes a little right. old conductor. Or conductor, right. But I think it's important for these kids in young artist programs to not think, oh, what's my 2.0 right now? But know that there are certain tools that they can develop parallel to their singing yeah. that could take them to that place at a later time. And also, if, if they have other things on the side, they have that slash, it can also make them more marketable. Yes. Not necessarily to a large company like the Met, but to stepping stones along the way. Yeah. I mean... And it pays the bills. And pays... Until I mean, you get... That's the huge one. <laughs> well, well, it's like I always say, if every dramatic voice retires or 30 because they cannot get into a young artist program, where are the dramatic voices right. going to be when you get to 50? Right. Where are the Vodseks? Where yeah. are the Voltans? They have to be doing something at 30. Yeah. So, you know, you, you have to find a way to make those things work together. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's right where I fell in. I said, okay, at 35, do I want to start? I'm 38, 39. Oh, 39 as of last week. <laughs> um, in my mid-30s, I said, do I want to lean back into singing now? Because my, my voice and my age all line up to the rep that I should be singing. It's a possibility. Or do I want to continue on what... Because I've never had just one slash. I've always had a couple. Six. I said to myself, "Do I do I want to go back to sing, or do I want to stay in the industry, but in a different way?" And my education gave me a very specific knowledge, as well as before before I worked in classical music, I worked in contemporary music, and I was a session musician when I was young. That's awesome. I worked in Nashville and Vegas, and that's why I see a lot of the marketing that's lacking in the classical world, especially when it comes to artists, is the first thing the contemporary music world thinks about. Yeah. I mean, right off the bat, and it's the last thing that singers individually think about. It's very sad. Yeah, is and it they just don't understand <clears throat> what they, what their it is. Yeah, and I realize that if I can, if I stay where I'm at and help singers do this, that I'm going to help the overall community yeah. of the opera world, and not just myself on a stage. And I don't have that. I miss the stage from time to time, but I no longer have that. I have to be on stage. I thing find anymore. I was a, okay. So I. When I was in my undergrad, I discovered music via dancing. I was a dancer in my high school years. And then I was a musical theater dancer. Mm -hmm. And my voice teacher, she was the the chorus of of the musical show that I was doing. I was doing, I think it was Guys and Dolls or something like that. And she said, do you want to be part of the opera course? And I'm like, opera? I don't know. I don't, have, I don't think I have a voice. So, okay, fine. Yeah. So I was in Traviata. I saw Soviero sing Traviata in Puerto Rico with Justino Diaz. It was great. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with it. 
and I started studying with her. So I was double majoring in communications, which is in Puerto Rico, the degrees, broadcasting, radio, TV, editing, okay, all yeah. that stuff, plus voice performance. Oh, so, okay. but back then it was all digital. So it was all analog. Right. Every time you edit anything, it was like, uh, 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 uh. It's, it's all I've that. I've been a part of that. Yeah. Yes. I mean, <laughs> and in, in my first experience editing reel to reel, you know, you have to cut. And Legitimately you cutting tape. <clears throat> you did. You have to put it away. Where, what did I put it? It's right here. Um, so I learned how to do that, but at the same time, I, my mom comes from business. So I had a business as well, parallel to doing my two degrees and singing in the chorus and studying voice. Wow. I was, I sold jewelry. Okay. Yeah. So I bought, I used to buy jewelry in New York my, with my money, silver, sterling silver. And then I used to sell it in the conservatory and places. Nice. And on top of that, I assisted Elizabeth Bachman in, in, in Butterfly there as assistant director, mm -hmm. stage manager. Like I did a little bit of everything. Yeah. And I never knew that I was going to do what I'm doing now. Yeah. And I tell my kids that all the time. I say, you yeah. have no idea what you're going to do when you grow up. There's no way you can know. Yeah. Um, so when I went to CCM to do my master's in voice, then I did the Young Artist Programs for a couple of years. And pretty soon after that, I was 30 years old and I'm like, you know, I don't think I'm going to be a superstar and I don't think I care for the lifestyle. Mm. I was like, you know, I love the art form. I'm a huge nerd of like singing and repertoire. Mm -hmm. I knew everybody's repertoire, mm -hmm. basses, tenors, all of them. Um, I want to stick around, but I don't want to do it. Yeah. So I got a job with Neil Fonkhauser mm -hmm. in my 30s. I moved to New York and I got a job with him really quickly after I finished my, my last singing job. Um, and my morning period was very short because I just, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a natural thing for me to want that attention. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be petted. And every yeah. time you went to a show and you did well, you got all these people going, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> and it just, I didn't, I wasn't comfortable with that feeling. Yeah. Um, but I liked helping other people. I like helping singers. So I was surrounded by a lot of singers when I opened my agency in 2004. All my, all my friends were in that stage between Young Artist Program and Professional Artist. Mm -hmm. So I had a roster of 12 yeah. and a blink of an eye. Yeah. Being an agent is not something you have to get a license or study or anything. What you need is you have to have a certain le level of knowledge of mm -hmm. repertoire in all five. Yeah. You can't just be, oh, I know soprano repertoire and that's it. Right. You got to understand repertoire. You have to understand how the voices work. Mm -hmm. But you also have to have, be a people person. Yes. Yes. And that's a natural thing. Mm -hmm. Some people don't have that. You have to be a people person because it's, this is a business of relationships. Mm -hmm. If you're not able to create those relationships and keep them going, you can't live in a bubble. Yeah. I complain a lot about artists in the past, not as much now. I think they've gotten with the times that when social media started, they used to disconnect completely. Yes. Like if they were not on a job or even when they were on a job, mm -hmm. they'd never posted anything. They never, they never related in the social. It's like, well, I don't do Facebook. Oh, I don't do this. And I said, but you have to. Right. You can't just live in your singing bubble and expect the world to come to you. You know, so it's changed the entire world. Social yeah. media changed the entire game. Yeah, it's um, totally true. I talked to, um, again, we won't name names, but I talked to a singer who's been a <clears throat> a fest artist, and he's he's been a contract artist at the Met for a very, 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 very long time. Plan artist. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he is outside of 
that necessary evil of social media, if we mm. put it that way. He's like, is this really the way the world works? I'm like, well, if you've been singing all this stuff and you have a, a steady contract that comes back every year, then doesn't year, you don't need it. It doesn't apply to you, but to 90% of the rest of the singers out there, they don't have that. Like, I know so many people that they would kill for that character role dream career. Like, I don't need fame. I just want the paycheck from singing all the time. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And but there are very few people that do that consistently, especially in the States, yeah. because there aren't that many of those jobs yeah. kicking around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but his perspective was, was totally outside of it. He's like, why is that necessary? Why? Like, I don't need Instagram. I'm like, well, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. <clears throat> and some people don't, because either their career has taken a, a turn mm -hmm. where they're so specialized and so unique in what they do that people will come to them. Yeah. For the, for the middle of the road, that's when it's necessary. Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's an up, up, um, up trajectory mm -hmm. where there's very crucial that, that little where things are about to explode, that if you have that social media push, that's when it can take you to the next level. Exactly. But if you're sort of stalling at a, at a low level and you keep pushing social media, it works against you. Yeah. So it's about timing. That's why having somebody work with you mm -hmm. to craft your brand mm -hmm. is so important. Yeah. Just somebody that understands what that is and how to do it. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't, you don't have to do it on a regular basis. Some people are paying. Now that's, that's a career. Social media management is a career. Absolutely. There's people out there that are working for artists to manage their social media. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a thing. Yeah. Um, but if that person doesn't understand, I have, to, I have had to sort of guide some of those people with yes. my artists and say, pick a day when you're going to post for you, but don't do it every day. Right. I, I, I compare it to you leave your house one day and somebody's on top of a soapbox screaming and yelling how the world is going to end. Let's say that first day you kind of go, oh, wow. Yeah. You listen to it. Second day, a little less. Third day, you walk by and you don't listen. Mm -hmm. He became white noise. Yeah. So if your social media is too pushy, you mm -hmm. become white noise. People don't pay attention. Yeah. So it's about timing things. Well, you know, this is what yeah. you do. But I like the way you put that. That is very apt. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally true. It depends on where you are in the career. Yeah. And it depends what you have to say. Yeah. Like I tell young singers, they always say, but people tell me to keep in touch, but... Do they really mean it? I don't want to bother them. And I said, well, if somebody tells you to keep in touch, when do you keep in touch? Well, I don't know. I said, when you have something to say. Exactly. You don't keep in touch just to say, hey, I'm here. Right. You say, this has happened. This is good. And can I, can I invite you to this? Or can I ask you a question? Mm -hmm. um, people like to be asked for their opinion. Yeah. They love it. So keep it short, keep it quick, and keep in touch. Yeah. Don't send, I, I hate, I tell singers all the time, don't send me testaments. Don't send me long, long prose yeah. emails because I don't have time to read them. Yeah. Send me two, one or two lines telling me I got into the, this young artist program or I moved from the district to the regional and my name will continue to be in front of, in front of me, yeah. your name. So. I just edited an email for a client of mine yesterday. He lives in Minnesota and he wanted to negotiate a contract that mm -hmm. he was offered and he doesn't have management and I've helped him out with some of the stuff I've known him since undergrad yeah. and uh, you know his his email was like this long mm. and I said you need to say three things 
put it this way, ask him this way, be congenial, and then get out. Yeah. And he said he got a response within an hour, yeah. and they, they matched his, his yeah. quote. I was like, here you go. Yeah. It's pros in emails do not work. I think, we've, I think we, we use too much email in this industry. I think that, I think that we misuse email in yes. this industry quite a bit. I think, um, yeah, I, um, I, I was talking to somebody, um, in, from my place, my position where I am, I think it's more important for me now to go back to the phone and mm-hmm. the face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Because our counterparts in the companies get so many emails yeah. from so many different places that once again, how can you pick one from the other? Right. What differentiates me as an agent from the hundreds of them out yeah. there doing the same thing. Yeah. So it's, I think that there has to be, I think we have to go back to a certain level of personal touch. It's funny, I literally posted on Facebook today an article from <clears> Forbes, <throat> which was not written recently, but written a while ago, about how millennials hate the phone and why they hate the phone because there's so many other ways to contact people that we can put everything in queue rather than, like, I'm not gonna answer the phone in the middle of this podcast recording. Yeah. So for somebody to call me and for me to look at it and be like, well, I clearly need to drop everything I'm doing and answer this phone call. But you'd be surprised because the generation after millennial, they love the phone. Right. Well, more importantly, they like FaceTime. FaceTime and phone calls. My kid, 14-year-old, he actually calls me. Yeah. And I'm like, why are you calling me? Can't you text me? Just to ask me one question. (laughs) (laughs) I hear the phone and I'm like, he's calling me. Yeah. From the attic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, just send me a text. There are certain people that I will call when I need something. There's certain people that I will text when I need something. Because if I text, if I call the people that I text, they'll think it's an emergency and be like, yeah. why are you calling me? What's going on? What's the matter? I actually, what's happening now from our perspective in talking to producers mm-hmm. is that we have to set up times to talk. Yes. Like the yes. old generation used to pick up the phone and call. Right. We don't do that anymore. Yeah. You set up a time, even I do with my clients. My clients, unless they have an, like an emergency, mm-hmm. they text me and say, can we talk? <clears throat> and then we talk. Right. But nobody calls, like, like cold calling somebody. Yeah. It's out of fashion now. Yeah. Um, so when I want to talk to a company about what they have coming up, I said, when can we get on the phone? Mm-hmm. And we set up a time to talk on the phone. Yeah. Um, and he's more productive because they actually pay attention. Right. They're not distracted. Right. They actually know what you're going to ask them. You can send them an agenda before you even call and say, this is what the things I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And then you get to it and then you're out mm-hmm. instead of having to do all the small talk. Yeah. But with my clients, I have certain rules. I say, if he's time sensitive, send me a text. Mm-hmm. And if it's specific to something that you want to ask. But sometimes there's a certain level of anxiety now especially this time of year everybody's worrying about next year mm-hmm. i'm not getting jobs what's happening mm-hmm. so the first instinct is to reach out to their agent with right. with the, with what's the meaning of life questions <laughs> what am i doing wrong why are they not hiring me and so these are not questions you can ask or, or answer on a text right you know you can't get involved in this back and forth on the text about such important strategic matters. So I always try to discourage that kind of sort of general question on text. I said, why don't you send me a list of our email of specific things you want to talk about or let's get on the phone and look at the big picture. Yeah. Because I think it's more, it's it's better use of everybody's time. Yeah. Yeah. And also I always say, there's no way for me to manage my texts. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I said my email is my to-do list. Yes. I have my, my inbox. I know that this is things that I have to take care of right now. I have them organized in a way that they come back to me after a certain amount of time. Yep. So, but if I text, then it sort of gets lost mm -hmm. in the shuffle, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just, I don't advise it. I said, you know, text is different. Or oh, WhatsApp. Some, some of my European clients yeah. use WhatsApp a lot. Yeah. Actually, there's some companies in Europe they that actually communicate through WhatsApp with their agents. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. One thing that I totally dislike is when people try to communicate via social media. Mm. And I know that that's because I'm older mm. and I know a lot of people do that. I mean, it's like to do business on right. social media. I don't like it because social media for me is not about, you know, chatting. It's, yeah. it's about other, like other things. But when somebody writes me and said, oh, I want to sing for you on Facebook, I totally ignore it. I'm like, you know, I don't use Messenger. Mm -hmm. But I know that that's a generational thing. Yeah. I know some people really use it. And they, they uh, I, had a, I have two businesses. I have a gym in New Jersey. And I know for retail service of that type, we do get a lot of inquiries through social media. Yeah. It drives me crazy. Have you set up... Um auto-response bots for it yeah I do yeah. I have them he said we'll get to you back to you within 24 hours but still it's we have so many things to check mm -hmm. like emails I have like four different emails that I check yeah. I have text I have whatsapp I mean it just feels like information comes at you in a thousand different places and then on top of that people will still also message you via Instagram and yeah. any other any other every platform has a chat version yes I mean it's, it's overwhelming <laughs> yeah and I can see, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of in the middle generation. I can see how my older, you know, counterparts probably feel overwhelmed about it. I remember there was a time some years ago, and they've actually discontinued this practice, but the companies, inst okay, so when I first started in 2002, the way you send materials for auditions, once the company says, we're doing this repertoire, send the suggestions, it would, you have to print out materials and fax them. Not okay. only fax them with the black and white headshot and everything, yeah. then put the whole packet in an envelope and mail it. <laughs> That's how you used to do it. Yeah. So every time there was a proposal, you have to do it, you know, in paper. Yeah. So then once we started doing email and people started having websites, then you sent links. Mm -hmm. But every, every agency has a different style of putting proposals together. Right. Like, if a company's doing Boem Traviata and Butterfly, I could cast those four times over. Right. So, you have to be very careful how you organize it so people just don't go, oh, this is too thick, there's too many people, I don't want to deal with it. So you have to be very smart about it. But there was a company that started sending a spreadsheet to oh. companies and in a link. It's like, this is the link, I want you to put all this information in this order. Like you have to fill out their spreadsheet with their information in the right order. It was a lot of work. Yeah. And also it felt very impersonal and there was no, no way to add your own flavor. Yeah. And I think it's important as an agent, if you have a relationship with the company to say, hey, I know you like this type of singer. Here's this, you know, the commentary. Right. But they wouldn't allow to you to have a commentary. It was all black and white. Name, age, repertoire, and that. And I'm like, oh, that's... Well, then how do you know what else, what a singer <laughs> has to offer besides just, I can sing this? Aside from being a number. Yeah. Because when you put them in a spreadsheet and you don't have any sort of 
quality quality input yeah then they become just a number just and a data. spreadsheet yeah yeah so it's interesting it happened for a couple of years a lot of the older agents complained about it they were like i don't even know how to work this what is this <laughs> <laughs> and 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 you, they moved away from it yeah yeah they just decided that it just wasn't you know one of the things i'm seeing now with some of my clients i'm having them when they talk to especially the ones that get gigs when they're not repped his offer also, by the way, in case you happen to do interviews, you need social media or something like that. I'm proficient in this. I can help you with this. Yeah, yeah. Let me talk I to can your, take over the talk to your Instagram, PR team. Yeah. I can do whatever you need. Yeah. Um, I'm really great in interviews. You need to put me on a local TV channel. Um, show them what other assets you have that aren't just... I always say that you are a, prof you are a, a, a citizen of the industry. Mm -hmm. You're not just the star. Mm -hmm. You have to know how... how I mean... When you go, any senior goes to a company, first thing they need to do is, is make themselves available yes. for PR, for any interview, for master classes, for to go to the, to the school. Craig Irvin does this a lot. He goes to um, schools around the area mm -hmm. to just talk to kids. Mm -hmm. He loves doing that. That be, you be, the value of your performance increases yes. so much. Companies want to work with people like that. Not the singers that, oh, you ask him to do a donor event, they're like complaining, how am I going to pay me? And you know, and when is it? I have to sing the next day. And yeah. no, you are a citizen of this industry and yeah. you are an asset to every company. And that's why they hire you. And you're making yourself more valuable. And you're learning about how the business works. Mm -hmm. So you 2.0, you can become a development director if you want right. to. Yeah. yeah, but you're right. Those are real, true assets to every company. Yeah. I mean, I love the takeovers when social media, those takeovers, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, especially when people have a different flair than everybody else. You bring something new. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's a good time. And you know what? People want to feel like they know the people they're going to go see on stage. That's the biggest thing I like about social media is <clears throat> if you can create the emotional attachment to yeah. the singer, when they you go see them perform, them. You, you care about who they are on stage, you care about the process. You know, you're more likely to wait at the stage door and say hi. You know, anything that binds you to the art form. Bring, bring the human aspect. Yeah. I think that's the difference between when I was starting and now. Singers used to be in a pedestal. Mm -hmm. They were supposed to be higher up than everybody else. Right. And I think we brought them down to human level. And I think that makes it more interesting. Yeah. No matter what... I always tell singers that when it comes to the regular world, the people that have the nine to five job versus you, they're going to look at you like you have this mysterious yeah. and fascinating and bizarre career. It's a mystique. It's, it's, yeah. It, it's, All the it's ins different and, outs. and fascinating. I mean, if you, if you walk around the Met when they're giving a tour, you see everybody so in awe oh, yeah. of how you produce an opera and what it takes to put it together. Yeah. Somebody told me once, Every town deserves an opera company. Mm -hmm. Just because your opera company is not the Met doesn't mean it's not a good asset. Yeah. So don't discount them. Yeah. Don't think, oh, that's a company. It's a little crappy company. A lot of, you know, we get a little snobby sometimes. Mm -hmm. Every company needs that kind of environment and that kind of art form you know yeah of course it's hard to compete with the hd these days you know this these people are saying you know you can watch these amazing performances on the movies it's not the same if yeah. you go to the theater but it's live yeah and these are real singers and these are real people yeah. putting something together yeah we have all done it with companies of three people mm-hmm
Also, then you see how many hats one person ends up having to oh wear. Oh my god! And appreciating them so much more. <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually I I enjoy that a lot just to see how people do things yeah. more than I mean I do. There's something really amazing um, about the mothership. You know, it's it's kind of when you look at how those stats move around and the costumes and the it's 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 amazing but there's also other things that are amazing in the yeah. art form i think a lot of people should actually go to europe and see how opera is done in germany yeah it's it's so different the audiences are very different the style of what they're looking at i mean there's it's very artistic mm. you know you might not agree with everything they do mm -hmm. but they have a take on it Mm -hmm. It's never boring. It's never, it's never done in a way that is sort of, you know, like like shallow. Yeah. There's always a reason why things are done the way they're done. Yeah. Um, at least my experience has been that. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. So you before you 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 opened your company in 2004. Yeah. But you were an agent for two years before that. Yeah. Just a year and a half, actually. A year and a half, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I started working for for Neil Fankhauser 2003, January 2003. Okay. I lasted there 14 months. And I, my background and my knowledge and what I, what I, the people that I got to know in that year and a half, they led me to believe that it just, I needed to just jump and do it. Mm -hmm. It was a little naive, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I've learned a lot since then. It was just me for, mm -hmm. for maybe 10 months. Um, and I started from, from the ground up. Um, yeah. I learned a lot in the lo those first years. And again, because the business has changed so much, I've changed with the business. Yeah. But my main goal when I opened my company was, I was so close to being a singer myself. I had just done it like two years before. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I wanted to represent artists the way I wanted to be represented. Mm -hmm. I wanted to give the information to them that was coming from the most honest place possible. Give them the tools, the, 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 the empowered pragmatism mm -hmm. that I think they needed. Um, because I felt like agents were so up there when you were a young singer it's like you couldn't really reach them mm -hmm. and but you needed them so badly like you couldn't <laughs> figure out how to how to match the fact that you couldn't relate to them but you still needed them yeah so now it's different if you look around and you see who the agents are that are coming up they're all young they're all more accessible they're more relatable yeah they understand more this the singer slash something else there's not a many, as much stigma, yeah. but that's across the board in yeah. IMG and small companies, all of it. Yeah. You know. So how do you feel about singers contacting you, just cold contacting you? <clears throat> well, the truth of the matter is that there has to be a common denominator that connects any singer or artist to me. Mm -hmm. Is that the me going to hear singers yeah. or you knowing my clients see being in one of their shows or your boss at the young artist asking me to hear you or you know somebody i know mm -hmm. but if it comes from nowhere with no relationship it's hard for me to mm -hmm. to pay attention because i have so much coming at me yeah 
it has happened very early on that I somebody just out of the blue sent me materials and I happened to listen to it and I went, what? Blown away. Let me pursue this. Yeah. But very rarely. Mm-hmm. Usually is young artist program directors or general directors saying, listen, I have a young artist here that I think would be a good fit. Yeah. Can I have him sing for you? Or the artist themselves said, I am part of the whatever program. I know you're coming to town to see your client. Can I sing for you? Mm-hmm. And based on, on our reach, we don't really need to hear auditions if we didn't want to. Yeah. I still do though. Yeah. I still do at least two or three dates on the fall and two, and two or three days in the spring. But again, those are curated to people that have asked me to hear them. Yeah. So I have a list running of, these are the people that I need to hear in the next, next whatever months. Right. The other thing that people don't know about agents is that we do a lot of on the side help with, with singers that are not represented by us. That's how we court singers. Okay. Like there's a, a group of two or three young singers that I've developed relationships that I will hope to take at some point, but at this point, because they're young artists, I'm just helping them out. Yeah. With the help that that relationship ends up being one of those good ones. Right. So when somebody reaches me and says, well, you don't have a singer like me, it's like, well, actually I do. It's not on the roster, but it's somebody that I'm already working with. Yeah. And I was very clear to singers. I said, listen, I don't like to take more than I can handle. That's fantastic because there are too many managers that do. It's already overwhelming to have the amount of singers that we have that we can't keep just piling them up like they're collector's items and then sort of moving on from them when they're not going well. I think that when I find that something is not working, there will be a couple of conversations as to all right, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Um, this is not working. These are what your assets are. This is what you do well. This is what you not do well. Um, let's try this. Let's, let's explore this repertoire. Let's try to sing for these people that you haven't sung for. And over the, over the period of a couple years, after two audition seasons, if it's still not working, I, you know, there's only so much you can do. I always say, you, maybe you need a new narrative. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Because every singer that I represent, in my mind has a narrative. At least it has to have one for me to talk about them. Right. This is what they do be- best. This is what their what this is what their path is. This is what they have coming up. This is what they've done. That's the narrative. Mm-hmm. Your narrative gets gets dry. Mm-hmm. And I have nothing to say about you. There's no new repertoire. There's no new gigs, but they already feel like they know you. Then I, I, I run into a wall. Like, yeah. I, okay, so you heard him last year. Let's hear him again. You know, it's, you gotta have something to talk about, about yeah. the artist. And when that narrative sort of dries out, then it's good to have another agent bring fresh eyes into it. And there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, in the business, you hire and rehire people all the time. Right. And I think in the, and when it comes to an agent, they're your employees. If things are not gelling, then there needs to be a change. Of course, I don't want to lose big clients because <laughs> that wouldn't go well. But usually if a client is doing very well, they usually don't want to leave. Right. Why would they? Anyway. Yeah. So, but as far as cold calling, I mean, find, I think for young singers, I know that they get very tired of trying to apply for young artists and hitting their head against the wall. Mm. If that doesn't work, because that's the best way to meet agents. Right. Is, is connecting the dots with people that you know and, and networking. Mm-hmm. Having people that know, that trust you, that like you, that hire you, 
make a phone call for you yeah. or let you use their name and put it in the subject mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. by recommendation of Kevin right. Patterson or by recommendation of Bill Powers. Sorry. Um, immediately you are say, okay, so that person hires my clients and gives them business. I want to do them a favor and I want to hear that singer. Right. So that's the best way is if you have connections, if you have uh, people that believe in you, have them let you use their name mm -hmm. to reach a, a, the agent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that's the best way. Cold calling is a little tricky. Yeah. It's just, just too many people. So say somebody has those dots connected yeah. and you, you have a couple of ties to them already, but yeah. they haven't sung for you. What are you looking for in singers that you onboard? When, um, you, I mean, you, I, when do you I make the jump? The yeah. um, okay. Sometimes I make the jump right away. If, if it happens that the timing is right, I need a singer of that type. They are on an up, uh, you know, they're coming up the ranks. Mm -hmm. You see that they have a couple of jobs. People are interested in them. There's something to be done with that. Um, you, you show interest. You say, okay, let's, let's try to put this package together. Let's see. you got to be excited about them. Mm -hmm. They walk in the door. You know you're already excited because they have already a couple jobs lined up. You're already excited because Francesca Zambello called you and told you she likes that artist. And you kind of, okay, there's actual people that hire you that like you. Yeah. That's great. Now let me like you too. You walk in the door. There are many things that could happen. You might blow me away. And I'm like, okay, there's no question. We got to do this right now. Yeah. You might sign for me and it was not a good day, but I see the potential. All right. Keep me posted. What else is happening? How can I help you? I can advise you a little bit. Let me see you in performance. So I mm -hmm. go see them in performance. And I start that relationship with them. If I don't feel it and I don't think they're useful to me, I just say, listen, I don't think we're a good fit, but I think you're doing great. I made that mistake a couple of times. Yeah. That I just kind of go, I don't know, too young, green. And then there goes another agent and grabs them and makes a ton of money out of them. Yeah. Or I have jumped in relationships with young, exciting singers that end up being not ready. Yeah. And then I have to wait. So there's many ways. There's a client, there's a client that I have that could never get into a young artist program. There's, there's been a couple of those. But this girl, no young artist program liked her. She was in Texas singing the chorus in an opera company, doing sort of d-level company stuff mm -hmm. like here my barina here or little things right there but she did a, an abduction with one of my clients and my client said this girl is a true deal a queen of the night and i'm like i don't have a queen of the night i don't have one and i'm i'm actually open to discovering one she came and sang it was okay um i said yes there's something here but i'm not sure um she went away next year she contacted me again I want to sing for you again. I'm like, okay, I still need a queen of the night. Come in. Blew me out of the world. I'm like, okay, you're ready. This is it. Now, what are we going to do with you? Because you have nothing in your resume. Right. I said, first of all, and it, she's probably listening. She's going to listen to this. Her name is Renelle. I said, take all your videos down. None of those videos represent who you are. They're done in a church. They don't look professional. They make you look like a regional, low level. You need new photos. So I put it in touch with a photographer. I said, your website needs changing. If you're going to sign up with me, we need to revamp your image. Mm -hmm. And we mm -hmm. need to sell what you can do. She's an aerial also. She does aerial. Nice. Um, 
so I said, we got we to gotta, we gotta use that as your brand. You're not singing the queen of the night. You can sing it upside down on your head. Right. Um, and some people shy away from that. They think it's a gimmick, but she can actually sing. Yeah. So it's, it's been challenging in the States because we, our system is so much, you have to follow all the right steps. Right. You have to be in this program and this program and this program to validate us hiring you. Yeah. Otherwise, we feel like we don't trust ourselves. Right. But then she goes to Europe. Well, no, an agent of mine, I, I outsource a lot in Europe. I, I connect with a lot of agents there. Yeah. And they said, do you have a queen of the night? And I said, actually, I do. What can we do? So he's like, you know what? We had a queen of the night that is moving away. She's pregnant and whatever. And there's a lot of work here. Send me their stuff. They got her some auditions. She's booked for two years. Nice. Huge company. Stats Opera, Deutsche Upper Berlin, Basel, all Queen of the Nights and some other stuff. But here they wouldn't touch her. Yeah. And I know it's Queen of the Night. But still, she's a true good singer that can, she will survive that stage of Queen of the Nights and move to other things because then people will know what she can do. Right. But that goes to show you, she didn't do the, the, the standard, I have to sing Santa Fe and Glimmerglass and Adler to get an agent. She was persistent. She fixed the things she needed to fix and she came back. Yeah. And it was great. And she did have something very unique that, that you don't see every day. Mm -hmm. So, and sometimes the other way that I get agent, uh, clients are not young singers. I get clients from other agencies. Mm -hmm that for some reason the narrative's not working with their agent, and then I say, okay, let's give it a shot. And they're people that actually have work coming up, so I, I just can use the work to create more work. Yeah. They were still singers. Work generates more work. Yes. It's very hard when you find a law in your schedule and that's hard, hard to come out of that. Yeah. But if you have something, it's easier to sell more. Right. Um, you're, they used to say you're as good as your last job, you're as good as your next job. You know, that's all people care about. Yeah. Many singers come to me and say, but I've sung with so-and-so conductor. Or I see it in, a, in an email. This guy sent me an email the other day. Nobody knows who he is. But so he's like, I sang under this conductor and all this conductor in La Scala and all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but when was it? When? And why are you not singing there anymore? Yeah. I mean, yes, I know. It's very sad that we just... You, that information that is so important sort of becomes irrelevant yeah. after a while. Yeah. Um, but it's the nature of the business. It's also voice type versus age versus yeah. so many things. So things that happen in life that pull you away from, from the trajectory right. and suddenly you find yourself not really being viable mm -hmm. anymore. So there's a lot that needs to line up in order to come out of that. Yeah. Sometimes it, it takes being a very specific type in a very specific repertoire. Mm -hmm. If you do this one repertoire better than anybody else, then people don't care if you have done yeah. anything or you know they just see the value of having you do it. Do you see that perspective more in Europe than here? I feel like here, America, especially young artist programs, want the jack of all trades singer that they can utilize in many, many different directions. It depends on, it depends on the level yeah. and the program. If it's a program, I always tell people, if it's a program that wants the young singers to be their ambassadors, 
then they want people that can do a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Somebody that just sings one type of music very well is not very useful. Right. But if you are going for the Adler, they, they understand more what a star is made of, which mm-hmm. is not, I'm going to do everything great. I might be more specific as to sing a Verdi. Right. You know, and they understand that and that's how they build you up. Yeah. So it depends on the program. I mean, if you're going to do a glimmer glass, what they do, oh, sorry, I'm touching this oh, thing. Um, they're going to do a glimmer glass. You know that they're doing musical theater. You know that they're going to ask you to dance. Mm-hmm. So you have better chance to get into a cozy if you also can do car flips. Yeah. Because, you know, that is the kind of program that is. So it also all depends on, on what are you auditioning for. Yeah. And if you're an ensemble in Germany, then the more things you can do, the better. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that within, within that jack of all trades, there has to be something that is specifically you. Why you? Are you the best at turning into all those characters? Are you the most glorious voice? You have the best pianissimo, you are the best colleague, a combination of all those things. More than anything, you have to communicate. Mm-hmm. You, and usually people that can are capable of doing different styles are very good communicators. Yeah. So, yes, I think now in this time and age, I think the value on, on, on doing a lot of many different things, mm-hmm. it's, it's good. But if, you only, if you're only an Italian tenor, all you sing is Italian, then don't even bother with German. Right. <laughs> because why? You know? Yeah. You say it's not it's, it's self-knowledge and being genuine to who you are. Yeah. You know? I think I think that, that self-knowledge is something that a lot of young singers fight with, don't understand, or haven't delved deep enough into themselves, yeah. or, or frankly maybe scared to look at. Um, yeah. and so they, they tend to shy away from who am I really as a singer. Well, because because they are they want to be higher so much. They're so desperate to to get the job and to land something and to have somebody pay attention that they they want to fit. They want yeah. to fit in. Yeah. I said they always walk in with a mirror to the audience to the auditor. Instead of instead of showing them who they are, they're trying to show them what they want to see. Yes. And that's boring mm-hmm. and the kiss, kiss of death. Yeah. Walk in the door, make a statement. If they hate you, it's better than the, if they are if, like Whatever. Yeah. That's, I mean, walking into an audition and having them go, meh, it's worse than saying, oh my God, that was terrible. <laughs> so, because you have to make a choice. You have yeah. to have an opinion. Of course, it's better if you're great, but if you flood, fight, fall flat on your face, on your way in or out, they'll remember you. There's a, there's, a, there's a school of thought that you have to homogenize yourself. Yeah. You have to wear the same dress, you have to have the same pictures, you have to have this look. That's old fashioned. Yeah. We don't need to see everybody else. We don't need you to feed, fit in that fog. We need you to be you. Yeah. Well, if everybody just fits into the homogeneous singer style, then everybody's white noise. I know. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem. Yeah. But you see that so much when I judge the, especially at the lower level, like districts coming out of university, they're so green, they're just yeah. so desperate. All you hear is the notes. 
mm-hmm. you hear nothing else. Yeah. Because they're so concerned to seeing all the notes perfect. Yes. That they make no effort to communicate at all. Yeah. And it's just a stage. It's how long are you going to stay in that stage? Right. What's going to make a difference? And for some people, unfortunately, it ends up being five, ten years. Yeah. And they get caught in this awkward loop. Yeah. No, it's 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 a top business, and yeah. I think that having a little bit. Of, I always say having curiosity is what's going to get you to, the, to, to further out mm-hmm. because the curiosity will make you want to improve yourself, figure out how to do it and who to contact and who to be in touch with. Mm-hmm. If you only depend on having an amazing sound and sort of waiting for people to come and tell you how amazing you are, there's only so much you're going to, how far you're going to go. Yeah. The thing I always tell, especially tenors, because the bar is almost lower with tenors. Because um, everybody needs a tenor. Everybody needs a tenor. <laughs> everybody needs a tenor that actually can sing that's the, the Minkertones and the Rodolfo. So a lot of tenors move to that repertoire much sooner than they should. Right. Because there's such a, a demand. Yeah. And I always tell them, they need, they need that voice there. It's up to you if you want to put yourself in that situation. Mm-hmm. Tenors will work, but you decide at what level. Yeah. Is there anything specific that you try and do as a manager that maybe other managers don't do? Something that? Well, I always try. I mean, we have a document that we that we're building. We've 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 had it for a long time that explains what what we do for you, what is expected of what is expected of the client. We also, um, you know, try to meet with our clients every year, at least once a year, to mm-hmm. talk strategy, and um, so that's that's one of the things that we that we all do, we try to do every client, and we try to go see them sing. Yeah, I mean, I really, it's impossible this time and age to sort of catch everything. I was right. just looking at my schedule for March, and I'm like. I can't be in so many places at once. I mean, sometimes there's a week where everything is happening. Yeah. So there's two of us, Sean and I fly and, and see people. Um, but I try to at least to combine. If I have two or three clients in a show, then I'll try to definitely make it. Yeah. And if everything is around the East Coast, like Philadelphia, DC, New York, then That's I, easy I, it's easy enough. Um, sometimes like I have a client in Calgary and for as much as I would love to go, it's a very, very difficult fly over there and expensive. Yeah. So I, I have to choose something else she's doing. Yeah. Um, but it's important to me because you're selling these talents. So you need to know what they do on stage mm-hmm. and also go to their auditions and see what they do in auditions. Yeah. Because sometimes auditions is very different than seeing somebody on stage. Are you, do you try and go to as many of your auditions? If I can, I have my staff goes. I mean, I'd like to have people representing my clients. The yeah. problem is now this time and day, at this time of day, when we have a group of five people singing for a company, a lot of these clients, a lot of these people have the same schedule. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, I can that day. No, I can't that day. So sometimes you have to go all the way to the Upper East Side for 10 minutes. Yeah. So if you have all the clients in one hour, it makes it a lot easier right. for us. So it's, it's, you know, we, we try as much as we can. I live in New Jersey. Um, I don't come to the office every day because um, there's so much you can do online. Um, so my clients, it's a beautiful thing about video chats that wasn't when I started is that if our clients want to meet with us, we have video chat systems that yeah. we can all be in the same room together, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yeah. We don't do that with companies as much. No, not at all. We don't do like like I don't do video chatting with like producers, I only do it with my clients. We do, like I was telling you in Europe, um, I because I can be in Europe 
on, on the ground, mm -hmm. I outsource a lot of my European contracts yeah. to certain agents that I have a relationship with. So, and they do the same with me. And and over there, in in Germany specifically, don't there are a lot of agents that specifically do that kind of thing. They they take yes, from other, there are smaller agencies that are on the ground that they work with American agents. Yes, yeah. but there are some agents in London that refuse to work collaborate. They want to take the entire world, even though you know because they're bigger. I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Thank you for taking the time out of your crazy schedule. You're a busy individual. I am, and not only because I am um, as an agent, but also because I have a mom, and I have also a gym. For more information about today's guest, visit our website at operabizpodcast.com slash guests. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel wherever podcasts are heard for two new episodes every month. Follow us on social media as well. Instagram, at operabiz, and Twitter, at operabizpodcast. Thanks for listening.